0: Welcome to the Ocean Cruises podcast hosted by Andy H. This week we are speaking to Dylan Magaster, founder of the Tiny Homes YouTube channel Florb and Dylan Magaster Sailing. Dylan started traveling the world as soon as he possibly could. He took off to South America to start exploring and searching for alternative means to earn a living. He started his adventures by traveling the world in a van and video documenting the experiences of people who self-built tiny houses which became the popular YouTube channel Florb. Ready for the next stage of his journey, Dylan decided the best means for him to see as much as possible was to travel by sailboat. So he bought a 1979 Morgan 382 in Spain after completing a one-week sailing course. He now has traveled over 6,000 nautical miles through the Mediterranean and currently cruising the Greek islands. You can learn more and follow Dylan's journey on his YouTube Sailing channel Dylan the Gaster Sailing. Follow us on YouTube. Facebook, Instagram, and download the audio on
1: Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Yeah, I think just just for everybody who's who's going to listen, it would be good for them to know a bit about your backstory because there is a lot about you. There's a lot about your history. There's a lot about like your character and what you've achieved. That I think if anybody just tuned into your YouTube channel and watched a random little thing on "Here's How You Tack Around an Island," they um, they're probably not missing out on the on quite yeah. a So, do you want to take it away and just like do the uh dylan introduction
2: yeah so um like my name is dylan mcgaster and i've been living on my sailboat now for over three years um i moved in on may 6th of 2018 is when i bought my boat and moved on to it started in Barcelona, Spain. Um, before moving on to the sailboat, I took a five-day sailing course um, in in Panama City, Florida at Reef Runner Sailing. And that got me ASA 101, 103, 104. And previous to that, I had like one day of sailing experience. So I had I figured it was probably better to have like some sort of training before buying a boat. So I did a five-day course and then moved to Barcelona and bought the boat. And, um, and then what was it? Four days after I bought the boat, we sailed to Majorca. So straight into a hundred mile sail and um, yeah. And from there it's been uh, intense, <laughs> like lots of, lots of ups and downs, <laughs> lots, of lots of, yeah, lots of learning, lots of expensive lessons. Um, I've, I've sailed to 10 different countries so far in the last nice. three years the first uh year and a half I was traveling pretty fast um except for when I got stuck in Croatia for four months um because I ended up needing to replace the engine on the boat yeah, and shit. yeah yeah that sucked um and that was in the middle of the winter too yeah uh, long story but so then um, I was moving pretty fast for, like I said, the first year and a half. And then um, I felt like it was like a two-year year, two-year learning curve before I really started to figure out how to live this lifestyle in a way that's um, enjoyable and um, just like more suits my personality. Because when you're moving so fast, uh, it gets, well, it's super tiring, yeah, first of there. all. Yeah. And, and you you know, you can blast through a country in like two, three weeks. And then you, you leave and you're like, oh, I basically just sailed the whole time. Like I didn't see anything. See, I don't know anything about that country. Yeah. Maybe stop at a few islands, but um, now I, I travel much, much slower. And um, yeah, like I said, it probably took me two two years to really get it sorted, especially since I was still learning how to sail and Um, owning a boat living on a boat and being skipper is a whole separate thing from setting sails that has its own learning curve as well so that was all just like intense and then when the um, first wave hit I was in Tunisia and so then so like my first winter I was in Croatia and I got stuck in Croatia um, for like four months on land with no engine in the boat and then the second winter was, um, yeah, the second winter was Tunisia, so I, I made it to Tunisia, and that was uh, the first wave, and the, so then I ended up being in Tunisia for like six months, um, and then I left there in June of 2020, 2020. yeah, and then uh, sailed to Malta, then went to Greece, and then Uh, Greece had a second lockdown so this past winter I was stuck in Greece uh, in one in one harbor so every winter it's like I you know I've always intended to keep sailing through the winter and then it's like oh I guess I'm not guess I'm not going anywhere I'll chill for like five months Um, so yeah I was stuck in in one port for for a good amount of time uh, this past winter in Greece
1: you probably did all this for personal freedom as well I suppose
2: yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and the whole the whole world is shifted into not <laughs> exactly
1: yeah, yeah I, you know I feel so sorry for people that started these type of journeys in like 2019 because it's like it, it takes you a year to two years to just figure out what a boat's about and you know how to sail different places how to you know anchor properly and just be happy you know like be able to have a full night's sleep you know where you're not terrified of like your boat And it's like to to get to that point where you've gone through that first shit year where you're learning and you're not sleeping and you're fixing problems and you're dealing with the engine and all that type of stuff to then just being like stuck in a country for six months that you just don't want to be in. Like Tunisia is nice. There's some great stuff there, but that that country is hard work. It is a lot of hard work being based, uh, you know, like dealing with the different culture and and the way how it is going in a shop. (laughs) You know, basic stuff can be a hell of a challenge sometimes, especially if you're foreign there. Uh, but yeah, I really feel sorry for people who've gone through that and then they've just ended up like locked down. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, maybe one day you'll just be able to like, you know, sail places. And, <laughs>
2: <so> yeah. <inside. laughs> and just keep going. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, Tunisia was, um, one of the great things about Tunisia is it is a place where a lot of sailors like stay for the winter. So a lot of yeah. liverboards in the Mediterranean end up staying there for the winter because it's decent weather and it is super cheap. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it took maybe a month before, you know, we really kind of started to get settled in and meet people, other sailors around the, the um, around the marina, because initially, you know, I was planning on being there for like two, two and a half weeks. And so um, you know, I meet people in the boatyard, but I didn't really meet everybody in the marina because, you know, you're not planning on being there for a long time and meeting people takes a lot of time. Yeah. So so then after the first two weeks of lockdown and then it keeps going, it's like, OK, let's, uh, let's, let's meet everybody here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and then by the end of it, it's like we had a whole community every Sunday. We'd have a barbecue. Oh, nice. Ooh. And it was it was kind of crazy because like within the marina, um, the like lockdown rules didn't apply because it's private property. And um, I I mean, at one point they had banned the um, gather because we would meet in a place in the marina um, for the Sunday barbecue. So at one point they had banned that, but we could still meet on somebody's boat. And so it wasn't at all whatever, 15 boats getting together at that point, but it was, you know, two, three boats meet on one boat and hang out, or yeah. you you just go hang out with a friend for dinner or something like that. So yeah, that made the whole thing sense. like completely tolerable. Uh yeah. without without a community like that, it would have been terrible. Like really bad.
1: Yeah, so but I mean the f- especially for like because in your situation you travel in solo anyway. So there's certain like um plays on your personality. It plays on like how you develop as a person as well. And there's I think the biggest part of that is personal freedom. You're not know, being able to get away and just be with, with yourself and learn about yourself. And then to be in a situation mm-hmm. where you go for that and then you can't learn about yourself because you're locked to a dock and you can't go anywhere. Like, yeah, it, it, like, I, I know how I would get, I would, I'd be going crazy. But I would hate that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I I, hate
1: it. I hated it just regularly. And I, I have like a house and a yard and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, if I, if I set off on the journey and then dealt with that, I would, yeah, I'd be getting pretty annoyed.
0: What went in Croatia
1: it, then with, with, the, um, with the engine? I mean, because I know you got like a new engine put in, but did you ever mm-hmm. get any cash out of those guys for like basically just destroying your gearbox and
2: <laughs> leaving you? No, no, no. So uh, just one thing is uh, most of the time I do have some sort of crew on the boat. So I have done some uh single-handing like I single-handed from Crete all the way up to Volos which was like 250 or 300 miles um but most of the time I have somebody out um and people on and off the boat so it's not like I've done the lat out of the last three years maybe I've done four months maybe five uh alone on the boat no that's good but then in in Croatia um yeah so it it was my fault because I um when you're when you're new to a boat and you're like trying to dock and everything, it's super stressful, and so you end up jamming gears, um, especially with the way my boat's designed. My throttle and gear shifter are two different um, things, two yeah. different handles. So you have to throttle down one handle before you shift with the other hand. Yeah. So when you're like tripping out because you're stressed, you end up just shifting into reverse at like you know fifteen hundred rpm or 1800 and you're just <laughs> like jamming gears yeah and so that happened a few different times and every time it would happen you know like teeth would grind like oh no but you know, hear it, it just it. happened yeah it, it would just happen like um you know I was, I was still new and learning how to maneuver this boat so because of that i ended up, and i wrapped the prop a couple different times so that's not yeah. great for the gearbox either and so because of that it ended up wearing out the clutch and the lamella, which allows the gears to engage. So everything was slipping. So I lost reverse gear.
0: Mm.
2: So I, um, some guys came out to the boat and checked it out and they were like, um, yeah, we could fix this blah, blah. I don't remember how much they said it was going to cost. And then, um, but they were in, I, I can't, where were they? I don't remember where they were in. They were in a different town. So, Uh, They are like, if you guys come over here, then we can do it here. And I was like, well, I'm going to this place, so I'll have some guys check it out here now that I know what the problem is. So I went up to um, Pula, Croatia, to a, um, it's kind of the only real big marina there. I can't remember the name of it at the moment, but, um, and I had some guys come out and look at it, and the guy goes... um, yeah, we can fix it. Like, it looks like we just need to take it apart and put it back together. And, but because of the dimensions of your boat, it'll be a really, and it was an old engine, so it was, you know, big. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was like, it, it'll be a really big pain to take the gearbox out. There's not much room with the prop shaft and the engine, and there's just not much room to uh, uh, maneuver things. So it's it'll be way easier and way faster if we just, Uh, take the boat out of the water take the engine out of the boat fix the gearbox and then we can just put it back in and um, I was a bit hesitant about that but then I was like you know what Uh, I want to take a road trip through Croatia for like a week or two and it should only take about a week maybe two weeks and so this this seems like a decent deal like put the boat on land we won't have to worry about it in the water with the weather and it'll be safe the uh, marina's got security and all that kind of stuff so i'm kind of hesitant and then they they come out with um with like a boat to uh, kind of tow the boat and they're they're at the boat like the next morning or two mornings later and i'm still kind of like i don't know if i want to do this or not like it seems like maybe I should get a third opinion or something like that. But they're there with it the, and they're like, we're ready to go, let's go, the, the um, crane is all ready. And so, you know, when you've got pressure like that, it's really hard to, you know, people have changed their schedule and it's hard to tell, tell somebody like, no, I don't, I don't want to do this right now, even though I should have, that's what I should have done, but I didn't. Um, and so I uh, take the boat out of the water, they take the engine out the exact same day, And so it's like four or five hours and then boom, that boat is on land. It has no engine in it. And I was like, wow, that was a lot. Also, that was easier to take out an engine than I thought it would be. Mm -hmm. Um, Still a lot of work, but easier than I thought it would be. So um, as as they were taking it out and. and also, the, the guys that were doing it, I wasn't getting, like, great vibes from them. But it's hard to tell sometimes with uh, yeah, Eastern Europeans. Uh, yeah, different languages, but also, like, specifically the Eastern Europeans because they're very, like, s- straight-faced. And, um, yeah, it's just a whole type of different way of interacting with somebody. And so I was like, you know, this, this is a rep- reputable marina, allegedly. And these guys work for the marina and allegedly, <laughs> allegedly they're like, they, they, they bring the gear or they, they come back to me and they say, um, uh, listen, we, we've been looking and we, the engine is very old and we can't find any parts for it. Um and it was a Yanmar, and I, I assume it was made in 1979 because that's when this boat was made. But it was a Yanmar, so it's an old Yanmar, but I mean Yanmar's Myanmar, they're everywhere. Parts everywhere. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I was like, you guys can't find any parts for the gearbox. And they're like, no. I was like, that's really strange. So um <laughs> that's I it's really bullshit. <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I put um I put something on Reddit, I believe. And I was like, listen, this is this is the situation. They're recommending that I just buy a new engine, and um, they they deal like Volvo Penta and uh, something else. Two engines that, you know, decent engine, whatever, but I didn't want a Volvo Penta. Like, if I'm going to get a new engine, I better get the one I want, which is a Beta Marine, but they didn't have Beta Marine. Um, so, so it's like I'm being pressured to buy an engine when I don't necessarily want to get a new engine. I don't know that I need a new engine. And the engines they're offering are not even the kind that I would like, the brand that I would like. So
1: yeah.
2: I go on Reddit and I like put all this on uh, some sort of sailing subreddit. And people are more or less like, hey, um <laughs> If they're, if they're telling you, you need to buy a new engine when it's just a gearbox, like it's probably not a great situation. And then one guy was like, Hey, I actually have a spare gearbox for that engine. Uh, but I'm in America. And so, um, so th- he was like, I'll sell it to you for a thousand bucks, but then we're gonna have to ship it there and you're gonna deal with customs, all that kind of stuff. So I looked into doing that and it did, the all said and done, it was going to cost like eight grand to get Mm -hmm. this gearbox from america installed into my boat and so at that point you're like okay eight grand for a 40 year old gearbox for a 40 year old engine or uh you know at the time i was being told it would be like 11 or 12 grand for a whole new engine Mm uh for a brand new engine yeah and so as well probably yeah bigger engine bigger engine and horsepower but um and weight and so at that point it's like that's a hard decision you're like okay four grand is a lot of money but we're talking about 40 years difference in an engine yeah um so i was struggling with that trying to figure that out and then at one point i looked about uh switching the boat converting it to electric and then stopped that so finally i found a dealer in a different part of the country that could get me a beta marine engine um and at at the time I, at at some point in that i was like hey guys can i get the gearbox back i would like to you know take a look at it and they literally just brought back a cardboard box with all the gears in it it's yeah. like i i have no idea how to put this together i don't know i don't know what pieces i've never opened up a gearbox before so Uh, just the more that was happening, I was like, I'm not sure these are great guys. Um, So I finally got uh, some other guy at the marina to help me with some boat work. And he was like, yeah, those guys are not great. Like, (laughs) like, he was very explicit about those guys not being good guys. Um, But also you've got, you know, competitors in the, you know, they're all competing for Mm -hmm. business. So anyway, um, what happened was I the, the guys that took the engine out, I was like, listen, I'm going to buy this engine. Uh, it'll get here at this time. And then I just need your guys' help putting it back in the boat. And, you know, they would obviously get a commission from Yanmar and Volvo Penta. If I bought an engine through them, I wasn't going to do that. So they were like, okay, fine, we'll help you put it in. And then when it came time that the engine was going to arrive, they were like, hey, we're out for holiday uh, until... January so we can't help you and I was like are you serious like <laughs> you guys took the engine out of my boat and now you won't help me put this one in like and he gave me a yeah. destroyed gearbox back as well yeah yeah and yeah. so so finally I got other guy who charged me uh, like an arm and a leg to help install this gearbox because of the the time of the year it was um and then finally yeah, got it back in the back in the water and and then I couldn't even sell the engine to anybody. It was just like, like people were like, this guy is in a position where he has no leverage. He's got no, <laughs> no bargaining power. So, yeah. it, so then they took advantage of that. Um, so. Anyway, I'm happy with the engine. It's a beta marine's 38 horsepower and it's been very reliable and very strong. And mm. uh, it's 60, I think 62 or 64 kilograms lighter than the last engine. So that's a nice. lot of weight. Yeah, yeah. Um and it's it's more fuel efficient. Um, it's way quieter and much less vibration, which that's huge. Like if yeah. you've got a if you end up in some situation where you need to motor for like six hours, uh, that's that's a big thing. And then um, also it's, it's way easier to work on since there's so much more space in the engine room now. Uh, yeah. If I have to do, do maintenance on it, I have room to work around um, and and actually work on it in a semi-comfortable way, you know, it's a sailboat, so it's yeah. not super comfortable to work on it. But um, yeah, so that's like the, the story. It was not ideal, but I am happy with the new engine. And at this point, it's like what are you going to do about it it's a learning lesson did the engine necessarily need to be replaced no did it still work yes uh, could it have been fixed yeah but then it was going to be so expensive that it gets to the point of like it gets you know becomes a really tough decision
1: yeah I think, to be honest, I think overall, like you have actually ended up better off because yeah. it's um, like the old, de- like I've got some friends who have got some old diesel engines in their boats and it might be a combination of the boat and the engine, you know, like the boat is probably a bit too hollow. It's not like your typical old cruiser and mm-hmm. everything just makes a louder noise. But like when they are going at like 2000 revs, 2600, like your entire body is vibrating in the cockpit yeah. like, because the boat is shaking that much. And um, yeah, like you've, you've got a, a pretty well-built boat with like, you know, lots, lots of wood in there and lots of furnishings. So uh, yeah, like with a new engine, you could, you know, worst case scenario, if you wanted to get somewhere, you can just run the engine for like two or three days on a crossing and it's, it's yeah. not going to drive you crazy. Um, yeah. Because it's not shaking the boat all over the place. So probably yeah. better off. Just a horrible experience.
2: Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's definitely better better to have the new engine in it. And yeah, it's just not, <laughs> it's not how you want to do it. Uh, like, <laughs> you want it to like in a situation t- yeah, yeah 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 and so i at least finally got to the point where i was like listen if this is happening i'm getting the engine that i want <laughs> i'm yeah, not yeah. going to be completely pressured uh but yeah the last engine the 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 yanmar that i had when we were under power um if you were like laying in the cockpit and if you're laying in the cockpit in your head rested against the fiberglass it would like mm. rattle your teeth you, you yeah, couldn't yeah. rest your head against the fiberglass uh and now this this one is totally fine if, if your head is against the fiberglass or the wood it doesn't you don't feel like you're being concussed i was about to say you're not going to be concussed from like <laughs> or
1: something like that yeah. but, uh, no, i make a massive difference yes yeah, plus the comfort as well i mean especially if you're in greece and you're hopping around the islands because you either get you know, like heavy wind, or you get days where it's flat seas there, so yeah, there's no issue if you've got like an efficient diesel engine that isn't going to like rattle your brain, <laughs> you know, yeah, just plop along under motor for a while. We, we, well, we're well, we're, we're headed to the Balearics like tomorrow, and we've we've basically got four days of motoring, um, yeah. or four days sales of motoring anyway. I, I really don't want to motor at night around the Spanish coast because of like the lobster pots and stuff, um, mm. just asking for a disaster, so yeah, having like a nice boat that is pretty it sounds okay. like you could take a nap downstairs at like 2000 yeah. trips, which which is cool that's that's nice so yeah it makes a massive difference so um yeah i just thought i'd ask about that because like, I've, I've, <laughs> I've watched your videos for uh years to be honest starting from uh, the first season you did it was on your floor channel um, yeah so this tied in with like when me and my wife were doing like a lot of renovation work on like a couple of different properties that we have and i love like the japanese style of architecture which is just like mm-hmm. let's get everyone's life into a cupboard and put them in the cupboard too you know like <laughs> super tiny living um so yeah your like a uh, documentary uh, living channel on youtube was just like it was amazing me and my life we had, we had like the notifications like, oh my god there's a new one out we were, we were waiting to check up on them. and um thank you yeah, you, when you uh, put the first season on there, I was like, oh my God, the guy that set it up is now on a sailboat. This is unreal. We were so happy with that. I was like, well. oh, we can watch the, uh, the tiny home stuff there and watch like, the, the guy on a sailboat as well, which is awesome because it's something that we would thought about. Um, but yeah, can you just talk about that? Because that's like a really, um, I suppose that's like a really cool uh, entry that you took into like the remote, um, yeah, I suppose like the remote learning um, yeah, side of life which is like what young people like us are able to do now um, but I suppose that kickstarted your ability to be able to like embark on the lifestyle you're right now.
2: Yeah so before I was living on the sailboat I lived in a van for about two years almost two years and then before that I was doing some backpacking and that whole time I had been working on like creating a YouTube channel and creating a business on YouTube <laughs> Um, or at least trying to earn a living off of YouTube and so it the first um, like two so six months out of the backpack and then the first year in the van was just all losing money more or less which was really really hard and then (laughs) finally it ended up turning around and I started um, making enough money to just survive, and then finally making uh, a profit, which was very nice. And then, so before the t- I before I started making like the short documentaries and tours on tiny houses and alternative living, um, I I was doing different YouTube channels, and they just weren't working. I was doing some travel things and some. Um, at one point, I was doing comedy sketch videos and just all sorts of stuff. And so I had done. Uh, I, would, I, I had actually done uh, daily vlogging at one point for, uh, I think I I'd done like over 70 days. Um, yeah, and that, that was, uh, I believe I, that was before, it was either before or like right around the same time that Casey first started doing his daily vlogs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that was like back when daily vlogging was huge, right? So anyway, none of that was working. And so I finally switched to making these short documentary tours. And um, I immediately saw like a threefold increase in views. Um, And so I was like, well, that's something. That's definitely, I haven't seen any growth like that before. Um, So I was like, I'll keep doing that. And then since I, when I first posted that, I think I first posted, um, my first like floor video in maybe in like july or august and then it was the next the next january i think was like the first month i made a thousand bucks um which when i was living in a van it's like this is enough money for me to actually survive i can like actually live off a thousand bucks a month um with my van and so so then i just kept doing it and it ended up growing and now it's turned into um like a full production company so we've got um four four or three full-time people and then one part-time person that work on work uh with floor uh, and so we've got jackson in um, canada in north america he's canadian and he does a lot of filming and editing and then we've got sitara who works on the management and Um, and then me are are the full-time and then we've got Paula who's also part-time and uh, does more like back-end type of stuff as well Mm -hmm. Um, and then every once in a while we'll work with another uh, like freelancer and so that as I was living in the but that that didn't actually develop until I got the boat Um, so before the whole time in the van I was um doing everything by myself I was doing all the the re- research uh, discovery um, contact scheduling filming editing posting everything I was doing by myself um, I got managers at one point that were bringing in brand deals but other than that um, and so and so um, I at about a year and a half living in the van, I couldn't stand up in my van and that was a real pain. And I I was like, I need either need to get a bigger van, a bus or move on to a sailboat. Well, those were kind of like my three options I came to decide. And I was like, well, a sailboat sounds the best for sure. That sounds way, way more fun than anything else. And so I was like, well, I'm going to do that. And I had uh, met a guy, um, Eddie Landis, who had built his own sailboat uh, back in the 70s. It took him a decade to build this like beautiful schooner, a Gafford schooner. And I've, I filmed an episode and put it on the floor. And his son was living in a sailboat. Um, and I just kind of learned that like, okay, marina fees, depending on where you are, can be actually really reasonable um if you if you wanted to live in one place and then live on a sailboat they could be cheaper than rent in a lot of places like oh, yeah. uh, you could you could live on a boat in a a place where you couldn't afford rent but you could afford marina fees and yeah. then you're living in seattle or something like that and so i learned about that and i was like okay this is this is something i didn't know about and then the whole process of um Purchasing a boat is more afford can be more affordable than people think. So I, I went down to um, Mexico, drove down to Mexico, got scuba certified because I was like, I'm going to be scuba diving all the time if I'm on a boat, <laughs> and uh, it doesn't it doesn't work like that. But um, so I did that, and then flew to Florida and took the uh, took the sailing course, and then hopped on a ship and uh, Took a ship across the Atlantic uh, to Barcelona, and that that was when Floor first became like more more than one person because we had a crew, and uh, then we were working together as a team to build these videos. So I started posting the sailing videos on Floor because I figured like, okay, I can do. Uh, Under the YouTube video, I don't remember exactly what it's called, but they have like a series section where you can give it like a title and an season and an episode. I was like, I'll do the alternative living spaces series and I'll do the uh, three Ariane Rod series. And that will allow it to be separate within the channel, but still. um, So, so then if somebody wants the, just wants to see tiny houses, they'll be able to distinguish Um, but it'll still be all under the same banner. And I soon found out that that complication of the YouTube channel was negatively affecting the overall health of the channel. It like drastically decreased growth. Um, And so I eventually said, okay, enough with that. Well, I eventually stopped making sailing videos for like six to eight months um, because I w- it was just like <laughs> way too much that I was trying to do. And and then when I finally started posting again, which um, was at the beginning of the pandemic, was when I finally had time to sit down and do all the editing. Um, I... I <laughs> <laughs> I decided to uh start it on a new channel. And so then so then you've got Florb, which is just cohesively uh short documentaries and tours, and then Dylan McGaster on YouTube is more around sailing and philosophy and adventure and whatever else I want to post because it is so small in comparison to Florb and I'm not um dependent on it for income i'm able to actually like experiment with that because with floor, it was like if i was doing any major experimenting then you know it's like oh my gosh we just lost 20 percent of revenue this month because i decided to try something like um <laughs> and so it, it allows for more experimentation and um
1: yeah no i think it's good like I, th- I think the way you've got the i mean floorb is great because that's just like it's just such a great place for people to go who want like you know architectural creativity uh even just furnishing a home if you want to do it in like mm. a really economic small you know compact style and there's so many different examples on there of how people are living in tiny spaces it's just amazing and um yeah the sailing channel is very good because you it's like you just said then you have integrated like philosophy and you're just life and like developing as a person into a sailing channel so it's not just about being on a boat and moving sails like there, there is there's there is like a deeper side to the channel as well like a, you know personal growth and learning about yourself and stuff and like good, it comes across really well it's really entertaining mm.
2: yeah. yeah the one of the other like with florb the um like one of the goals was to create the uh, a resource in which people would be able to figure out um whatever their budget is whatever their desire is whether it's travel or minimalism or homesteading that they would have some sort of research source that would um, provide them with that information for moving into that lifestyle and so in the in the beginning one of the things that was really doing differently than um some of the other Uh, channels in the same niche was we were really covering the backstory of how people got into their their living space or however they got to where they are now and people found that very valuable because it it wasn't just here's a tour of the place it was like uh here's a a really condensed roadmap of how we got there um and and so that allowed people to it definitely um filming all those different those different places you know opened up my mind as well of like okay so there's there's so many different ways first of all just to go about living and how you want to live your life like there's infinite possibilities really and then you can uh from whatever walk of life you're in you can if you've got a goal you can end up getting there uh you just have to figure out how it's going to work for you so with Florb it's like maybe you watch 10 videos and you take one thing from each video and that allows you to be able to construct your plan for getting for where you want to go or Mm -hmm. something like that. And, um, yeah, just, it was, uh, because I, I had seen how expensive housing was getting and everything like that. And it's like, the world is just, was just when I started and obviously now is moving in a very strange direction and to help people create autonomy and self-sufficiency um well i think it's a really good thing but I, I i think that was that was one of the main like reasons behind floor been uh like missions behind it was like how can we how can i help other people get to a place that is like they're more in control of their life and they're more independent and they're more self-sufficient. Um, and they're more responsible for their own self. And I just mm-hmm. think there's, there's so many good things that come with that. Um, yep. And so it, it just took a while to build. Too. Yeah.
1: But just, um, yeah, being able to like steer your own ship, um, in a way, but yeah, now, I mean, I, I do often like fear for the planet, not, not from like a climate change perspective. I don't think we're going to blow up anytime soon. Um, I think we need to stop, like, putting plastic in the water. That's pretty bad. <laughs> I think we need to, like, burn yeah. less stuff as well in general. Um, But, yeah, I don't, I'm not one of these people that thinks the world's going to, like, blow up in five years, as some do. Um, But, yeah, just in general, I'm not that comfortable with the way things are going now. I see, like, the human civilization kind of moving backwards, especially yeah. culture and society and stuff, and uh, especially, like, the COVID stuff. Like, it's really highlighted to me and my wife, like, how little control you have because we've – um but we've got friends from every walk of life, you know, like people who own a vegetable shop, guy who sells fruit, guy who owns a hotel, guy who, you know, has 20 Rolls Royces, you know, a satellite, that type of stuff. And everybody got shafted one way or another. Everybody lost out because like some politicians decided on some crazy shit uh, that they thought would be a good idea that maybe, you know, maybe it wasn't. So, yeah, I, th- I think like there's going to be a lot more people as well over, th- over the coming years looking into, OK, what about solar? Because if they yeah. use oil and gas, it's good that we've got our own electricity. You know, like what about water? Maybe let's drill for a little well in the backyard or something. And then we've got our <laughs> own water that we can filter. So uh, yeah, it's being more independent, like the homestead type of life as well, where you're growing your own veggies and fruits. Um, but yeah, a lot of that is covered in, in the floor channel as well, which is um, really cool. So yeah, it just gives you ideas, doesn't it? About Like you said, you can live so many different lives.
2: One of the things is like, even um, as you were saying, the we we have much much of the freedom that we think we have is very dependent on things going perfectly if yeah. and and it's amazing that things have gone more or less perfectly for a very long time for the majority yeah. of the western we world, world really. like yeah. yeah we did i mean you know the other half of the world everybody avoids talking about because they didn't have a great time at it but um yeah, yeah the the western world we had a you know good party and but but even like when you when you think about like 2008 and even back to 2001 in america you can see that that the the rights that we have are very uh dependent on, on on what happens things that are very outside of your control and and they can be altered and taken away at any time if if the government decides or if a corporation decides i mean that's that's what happened in 2008 many people um you know that was more or less like a handful of guys that (laughs) Dis- destroyed the the whole economy for a minute um Very the much. global economy like they affected all of the world in in a country like greece i mean it like decimated this country and it, obviously everybody that was affected by that had their own role to play and in it as well of you know if they took out a loan that they shouldn't have taken out or mm-hmm. whatever but the the thing is that there's things outside of your control that can really just wallop you and i mean that's obvious obvious with the last two years and and so with that in the concept of stoicism like really focusing on taking control of what you can actually control and not worrying about the other things um it's really difficult with the the way the news and social media works but there's if you can take control of an aspect of your life, whether that's you figure out how to uh, not be dependent on uh, another co- another a company or something like that for your money, or whether it's you're not dependent on the grocery stores for your food, or you're not dependent on the city for your water or your electricity, um, anything like that, just your basic needs. If you're able to become independent, you're one step. um ahead. I don't know that safer is the right word than everybody else, but you're, um, you're just less dependent. And in, in the last years, I mean, we've seen really, really wild things like with California, with the wildfires and they were shutting off people's power. Um, and now with the droughts and it's just, uh, you, I I think it's just very important to be as self-sufficient as possible, or at least you're, if, if you can't do it maybe your community can do it as a whole but um global trade is amazing but it is very fragile clearly
1: yeah. yeah it's just it's dependent on so many things as well like there's been a number of things in europe over like the last 10 years like in the states obviously like nine eleven that changed it changed a lot in terms of the legal system like people's liberties when it comes to like privacy on the internet privacy over the phone and all Mm. that type of stuff and um yeah like in Europe we had the situation with like Syria and Iraq with ISIS um and uh the you know that was causing like massive problems for Europe as well and that changed a lot of things uh from like immigration point of view which is a big deal for a country you know um so yeah it's good just to have a little plan b you know (laughs) so if I don't like what all these people are doing I could just like go off and I'm I'm fine (laughs) yeah I don't need to worry about it Yeah, that's the nice part about living on a boat. But yeah, it's just, it's it's very a shame that over like the last two years, it's like that one, like the last remaining opportunity for freedom, which is like just go and live in a commune in a mountain or just go and live on a boat on an ocean. Like they even took that away from people, you know, (laughs) like they were even able to stop people from doing that, which is
2: which is like pretty crazy. Um, yeah. So, when, yeah. when I was, uh, I told you about Eddie. So Eddie Landis that built his own sailboat. Yeah. He's up in, in Washington and he's a great guy. He's in his seventies and is in excellent shape. Like mm. when I, I met him and filmed him, I think it was 74 and he went um, on his schooner. He's got like three, four sails and they're all um, Hanks. And so he, in there on the bowsprit. And so he would go up to the bowsprit, grab the forestay, swing around the bowsprit, both feet in the air, land on the bowsprit and keep going. And he's 74, right? Like, he still does that. And, and there's not a single winch. Yeah, 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 I saw him do it. There's not a single winch on the boat. So he, uh, he does everything uh, by hand, manages all the lines by hand. But I remember talking to him because before he, uh, he built his own house and everything like that. But before he did that, he had lived and traveled the country in like an old mail truck or an old milk truck, something like that. And he had, um, his wife and his kid, uh, in the, in the van and they were traveling around uh, America. And I was asking him like, wow, what was that like in the sixties and in the seventies? And he was like, dude, it was awesome. Like you could do whatever you wanted. There was, it was just total freedom. There's like no rules, man. It was amazing. And I was like, oh, wow, that'd be so cool. In in and so the more I talked to him, he was like, the only place left that you have some resemblance of that type of freedom is on the water. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, okay. So that's, I'm going, go. I, I, that's like what planted the seed it was like, okay, so you live on boats. It's not near as expensive as a lot of people think. And that is the like the last uh, vestibule, I don't know if that's the right word, of uh, yeah, yeah. freedom. Yeah.
1: It's funny you said that, it's like, uh, you know, you often have like stupid conversations with your partner, you know, you you drink too much or whatever, you're going a bit crazy. And like, whenever we have a conversation, which is like, if you could go back in time and just have like a wild week somewhere, where would it be? I always say like 1950s or 1960s America, because it was like, it's like the dawn of culture in a way, like the culture that we have now, you know, Mm. massive like Ford, um, Coca-Cola advertising, Wall Street, Um, you know drive-in milkshake places that that, sorry drive-through milkshake places McDonald's it was like it was the birth of all that and obviously it was like pretty pretty there were some you know bad things about that period as well still you know it wasn't (laughs) wasn't, wasn't sorted quite then Um, but yeah it just seems like a pretty awesome time it's like oh if you could do like Route 66 when will you do it like obviously the 1960s yeah Um, yeah now it kind of (laughs) sucks yeah yeah unless you did it with like uh johnny depp in theory in las vegas yeah yeah, if we could do that era that'd be all right um probably won't be too healthy but yeah that's quite, quite fun as well so just getting up to the point where you decided to go backpacking and like start shooting your or start your youtube career in a way what what did you do up to that point did, did you come straight out of education or did you work a few jobs how, how did life go
2: yeah so I um I've worked a lot of different jobs but like now in the past five years I've more or less done the same thing which is YouTube I've had a few odd jobs here and there that I've uh, picked up but for the most part it's been YouTube but in my teens and early 20s I had like a lot of jobs. I remember talking to people in my early twenties and I'd be like, yeah, one time I was working as this and this and that. And they're like, how many jobs have you had? I was like, I, I don't know, I guess a lot. Um, but I'd do something, you know, in, in, in a light that was just, if, uh, if there's a job for two weeks and yeah, sure. I'll do that. I'll, I'll help uh, remove cubicles from an office and get paid. I got paid. That was like one of the best paying gigs I had. I was getting paid like 50 bucks an hour to remove <laughs> cubicles yeah uh, and i was like 18 i was like this is awesome yeah, so, um, yeah. Yeah. so i did that uh and then you know i um my, my father was a, is a carpenter so I, I worked for him for a while did roofing did home remodeling did um i built decks done concrete work done all that kind of stuff uh I mowed lawns um did door-to-door sales uh so throughout high school, I did all sorts of different things. And then uh, once I left high school, I started going to community college because I realized how insane this student debt crisis in America is. Like, like the system is a mess. It needs, it needs you know, despair. oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's not illegal because yeah. it should be. It, like, it's, yeah. it, it, it's, it, extortion. it is, <laughs> yeah, it's. I think technically it's indentured servitude. Um, because in America the only debt you cannot get out of without dying student is debt. student loans. Yeah. yeah. And and they're also you have to have anybody can get one more or less. Like you have to have like no qualifying factors to get one. Yeah. Um, because you're a student, you don't have good credit because you're 18. You haven't built yeah. up credit yet. Um so I, I, I realized that and how expensive it was so I started going to community college um, and I had, was doing culinary in high school there was a my high school had a really excellent culinary program where three hours a day I would cook uh, we did national competitions and all sorts of stuff it was excellent um, and so I really like cooking so I went to community college and the community college in um, Olathe Kansas uh, to Johnson County Community College it has a really like for as far as community colleges go, it's the probably the best culinary program in the country. Obviously you've got like professional culinary schools, but those are even more expensive than university. Uh, but for community college, it's like known as definitely top five in the country. So I, I started doing that and it was an apprenticeship program. so I would work like 40 hours a week and go to school for 20 hours a week um and it was insane so i was working in a country club and it just got to the point where i was like i like cooking but i don't like working in the commercial kitchen Mm. so i decided to drop that and yeah it's stressful and it's not um it's not a job where people are generally happy (laughs) like like chefs are not known to be the happiest people on the the planet Like it's
1: not a pleasant. <laughs> point. Well, maybe just when he's around, but otherwise, it
2: doesn't play that great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a very stressful environment, and um, anger and yelling is the norm. And so I was like, I'm just not not interested in doing this. Like for my whole life, yeah, I, I will end up being a terrible person, and and I'll hate cooking by the end of it. So, um, so it's, and in and, and the country club was also using the the fact that it was an apprenticeship to pay me like really I was getting paid like 850 an hour to work 40 hours a week Mm. as a like professional line cook in a country club so so anyway I left that and I started to work I started working on YouTube channels while I was still in the country club but I left the culinary program in the in the community college and I just I started taking like one or two classes a semester just more or less just to make my mother happy um, like look I'm still in school and I, I took a class on on um, like filmmaking and stuff like that and I very quickly realized I was learning way more on YouTube than this class than this class like I'm like I'm paying three thousand bucks a semester for this class and I'm learning like everything is I learned in like a week on youtube it's it's yeah. insane uh so i finally eventually dropped out of community college entirely and decided to just pursue um, a career on youtube and and i and i told my mother i was like listen if i'm not uh making enough money to support myself by the time i'm 25 i'll go back to school i had no intention of going back to school but i also knew that i could i like I had five years to figure it out I'm pretty sure I could figure out how to make a living in five years so um dropped out and just uh w- was working for my father doing construction stuff and then I uh, started taking road trips around America then eventually moved to New York City for a f- I lived there for like three months uh ran out of money moved back to uh, Kansas City worked for my father for a winter and then um I was getting like very depressed. And so I flew to South America at like a thousand bucks. Um, But I had been working on my credit and travel hacking and everything. So I was able to fly to South America for 17 bucks. Um, So I flew down there and started backpacking through South America and did that for about three months. It was making, uh, you know, vlogs and travel videos while I was down there. And then eventually Went back to New York City, uh, ran out of money again, and uh, like I went to New York City because there's supposed to be this great opportunity and it just evaporated, right? It was, it was probably a bad decision to um, buy the play, plane ticket uh, based on this like very, uh, it, it wasn't like somebody offered me a, a job, it was just like there might be this thing that might happen. And I was like, oh, I'm coming, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so, uh, but, you know, it all worked out for the better. But I had initially planned on being in South America for like one or two years. And then it was like three months. Now I'm back in uh, America. And so I was in New York. I paid like 750 bucks for rent and everything had fallen through. I was like, "Ah, oh, I just paid a month's rent. I'm back in America. And now I don't have anything. And I'm out 750 bucks plus the plane ticket Um, and so anyway I I ended up starting working on a fishing boat for a couple weeks um, and then made enough money to more or less buy my van I think I borrowed like 2,000 um, bucks from my mother uh, maybe a bit more than that Uh, and then um, like as soon as I started making money I was like I'm paying her back as fast as I possibly can Uh, and so yeah I bought the van for 2,000 and then started converting it and i was putting i just put everything on credit cards um knowing and understanding how to use credit cards because i had already been using credit cards for a long time i used them to travel hack and i understand how to get the benefits and i understand the interest rates and everything like that and so i understood the interest rates on credit cards are insane but i consciously walked into debt on credit cards to continue pursuing um i just i looked at it as my business log. And uh so yeah then I just kept doing it and like I said that's when I started I switched to making the short documentary tours. But do but this, the oh god.
1: So, do you have a do you have a system in America where like one credit card company will buy your credit card debt from another company and like give you six months interest free or something like that.
2: Yeah yeah you can yeah. do that um same as the UK, the, same as UK. yeah the the, those are always, uh, you really need to read the fine print because a lot of times it's like, okay, they'll take your credit. They'll give you six months interest free. Uh, in which case, like you need to pay it off within those six months because month seven, it's like, yeah, it's ridiculous. like 30% interest or something insane. Because yeah. um, I think normal credit card interest is something like 20% or 18%. Yeah, I don't remember. Probably. 23% maybe. Um, but yeah, they jack it up on you so it, it, it can work but you you need to really know what you're doing No, yeah, because i've got friends that like businesses just basically in constant credit card
1: debt uh and they just go through credit cards like every six months so they make sure that they transfer the debt like before the six months is up but they'll just like okay 10 grand buy a couple of cars to fix them up, buy a caravan fix it all just as the six month mark is coming they'll just flip that debt to a different credit card company and they'll just keep on doing it so you're basically borrowing money. Well, I had a friend who um, completely refurbed houses with credit card debt, and he never paid for anything. He just made loads of money <laughs> because every six months. Wow. Yeah, I mean, providing he sold the house within six months, which he always did, because um, like housing markets, yeah. they're really good. Um, so, uh, yeah, he'd just like do a house up on a credit card, just, like put like 20 grand into it, uh, sell the house before six months. So he's just, he's just done the entire refurb for free. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, he just pays the credit card off when he sold the house, and basically just yeah, just refurb the house and it's not costing anything. <laughs> never, never invested a penny into it. <laughs> Over the like, hey, nice.
2: Coffee. There's yeah. so many different ways to go about doing it. That's impressive. Yeah. Like if if you understand the the systems, especially credit cards and banks, like if you understand how it is they make money, um, mm-hmm. because they've got a whole system, obviously because they make a lot of money. Um, so if you understand they've got a system and they rig it in their favor, but they, they, they reel you in, right? They reel you in with all these benefits. And then if you're responsible and you understand the risk of, uh, and, and what they're offering you, and you know that you can uh, like make it happen, like you said, pay it off in six months and not pay any interest, then, then you can take advantage of that. And it's a great deal. Like, honestly, it's a, they can be really great deals. But if you mess up, I mean, they really charge you for it. And yeah. uh, uh, that's where there's... I just don't think there's proper... I mean, now there is online, but there's no education in school about credit cards.
1: Yeah, I know now you've got like... We've got one in the UK. Not in the States. called that. Like, I think it's moneysupermarket.com or moneysupermarket.co.uk. But yeah, you can go on there. You can type in, you know, I need a credit card. And it'll basically tell you which ones are going to rob you and which ones are like, okay, this is probably safe if you can pay off this much in this... However many months or whatever. Um, but yes yeah, it's, it's good uh, it's good to know the tricks
2: um yeah yeah i, I always use nerd wallet that was my uh, oh, that I've was my go to yeah yeah I'm not they have, like all the credit cards listed and the benefits and the minimum spends and you know the sign up bonuses and all that kind of stuff yeah which ones you can churn and which ones you can't most of them you can't churn yeah
1: it's pretty we're, like we're we're in spain now and it's pretty regulated over here like the financial system is probably i don't know like 10 or 15 years behind like in terms of online banking facilities like you still have to go in the bank to sign papers and stuff whereas in the uk now like banks are actually just closing their branches i mean a lot of people don't like that um especially older people because they don't really want to like have to log in and you know download apps and scan stuff and all that type of thing um but yeah it's way easier. And the facilities are becoming cheaper as well. And it's like I said, if you if you understand the system, you can rig it a little bit. And it'd be great for like doing stuff on boats, yeah. you know, like buying boats and flipping them and basically not having to pay for them. <laughs> be, uh, yeah, really good. Yeah. Do. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. in terms of like you taking on this lifestyle, obviously you, you've, you've had a similar type of lifestyle for quite a while because you've traveled you've, and even in between jobs and career changes, you've backpacked like South America, like you said. Um when did you first think of doing it on a sailboat or when did that thought first come into your head?
2: Um, so not like immediately after meeting Eddie, but that's definitely what got the wheels turning because like I said, that's when I learned um, because I thought just like most people think that sailboats are insanely expensive and only the rich, super rich can have them. Um, but the, Like, talking to Eddie, and then, you know, I I saw that movie 180 degrees south at some point, and there's just a few different things, and like I said, one of the main things was, um, I didn't, I couldn't stand up in my van, and so I was getting really tired of living, and it was just getting (laughs) rough. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. in in the van, and so, and also, I was kind of ready to uh, leave America for a while um i didn't expect to leave for three years but uh so far for three years but um in uh, with all that kind of stuff i was like you know i could i could do a boat or i could do a bus and i could convert that or a van and i could convert that and build that out and it'd be very comfortable but um in a sense i had already done that with the van right like it's just that just a bit bigger but the boat was like the most challenging thing that i could think of that i thought i could actually manage. Um, there was many different times where in the process of like moving towards this lifestyle, I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, first of all, I don't know if I can pull it off. Um, because me landing this boat was very, um, I mean, you could just say lucky, uh, because I I ended up getting it off of Reddit. Um, and that's another story as well, but the but then also the the dangers and the responsibilities and everything like that um I just didn't know if I could actually do it so I had a few different like not full-on panic attacks but like on my way down through Mexico where I was like what am I doing like I don't know if I could make this happen this is really scary um but uh yeah I I think it was just a combination initially of like talking to Eddie and then wanting, wanting something different. And then I, I couldn't, I remember like spending time thinking like, I can't think of anything bigger. Like my imagination stopped there. I, I couldn't think of anything more grand, like harder, more of a challenge to do and accomplish that I actually thought I could do i thought it would be very very hard but i thought i can actually do this uh, uh but i i couldn't think anything beyond that uh I can't think and of so anything i was like well then that's what i got to do
1: yeah i mean well it's like what else could you do i mean just live in a tent forever on a mountain like, that's yeah kind of challenging but it doesn't really get you anywhere um yeah probably not- the most challenging thing
2: somebody could do yeah, and I had been listening to a lot of Jordan Peterson at the time, and his whole thing is, um, is uh, you know, pick personal the hardest thing. Yeah, personal responsibility, but then pick the hardest thing you can imagine and try it. Like, go for it. Like, do it, focus on it, and go for it. Set a super high goal and see if you can get it. And I've realized throughout the years that um, imagination and goal setting is – a muscle, like obviously, uh, 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 the, the actual process of like setting a goal, you have to learn how to do, but the, the more you set a goal and you achieve a goal, the more you get good at that process, but also it expands your ability to set goals. Um, like now I can imagine things and uh that i i literally wasn't capable of imagining beforehand when it came time for the van the van in traveling was like the biggest i could imagine and then once i had done that now it's time to imagine something new and then it was the boat in the mediterranean um but that whole like you start like with a small circle and then it gets a little bit bigger and then you're able to imagine a little bit bigger and then bigger and bigger and bigger and so when you see people who have um, really wild lifestyles or have achieved amazing things like for example somebody like Elon Musk obviously he didn't get there overnight it took him his whole life to get where he is now and he started first with leaving South Africa trying to move to America just to like start a business that was like his dream at that point and then it's been able to build from there and maybe since you know a lot of people since their kid they have some like pipe dream right like a lifelong dream but I think many people don't actually think it's possible that's why they don't go for it and and they definitely don't if they do think it might be possible they don't have like a roadmap for getting there like whatever it is um it but but as you take steps, the building of the roadmap becomes easier. Um, you you learn how to, okay, I want to get here. I'm here. I don't know how to go from here to here. So let's imagine I'm here and work backwards, you know, like different strategies and techniques for goal setting and um, visualization and planning. Um, you get better at it the more you do it. So I always like try to encourage people like whatever it is wherever you are in your life just imagine like what's the best life that you could imagine that you actually think you could do start with that and then once you accomplish that you'll be able to go on to the next thing but you gotta at least start so everybody's gonna start somewhere everybody does start somewhere but if you never start you're never gonna get anywhere um and so you just start and in, in do what you think And maybe it's not even the hardest thing you think you could do, but it's something you know you could do. Okay, start with that, get that done, and now do something a little bit more difficult and then a little bit more difficult um, and take those gradual steps to whatever it is you want to do, whether that's starting a business, living on a boat, living in a van, traveling the world, starting a homestead, buying a piece of property, whatever it is. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, gradual steps, that's what it's about, really. It's like, you know, setting a goal can sometimes – setting a goal is nice, but I suppose it can sometimes be pretty daunting, especially if it's like, oh, you know, I want to leave the country, I want to travel, I want to take my family somewhere, I live in a boat, because they are they are massive steps. And I have to remember, like, the vast majority, like 99% of people do just stay in their town or their city, they have great lives, um, but they don't do anything – what you would consider big in a way um they don't make any massive moves with the life they do play it quite safe mm. which which is actually nice <laughs> you know 50 percent of the yeah. time you know you can be like that it would be so much easier if you just did that um but yes yeah, the ability to be able to like see what it is you want to do visualize it and then put the plan in place right okay if you do want to live on a sailboat what's the first thing you need to do well you know go to the beach maybe for a start uh, you know spend time on the water snorkeling uh take a sailing lesson make a friend who has a boat um you know maybe do a charter and it's like gradually building up to it don't just be like oh shit i've got to get like a 54 catamaran i'm worried i'm not going to be able to um but uh, yeah especially with traveling yeah as well. it's like you know if you're traveling around south america and that's your goal oh, i want a backpack for six months around south america maybe just go to like an airbnb for a weekend first and see if you actually have the stomach for it um but um, yeah it takes a certain type of person because you know you 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 meet people like yourself who've like set these goals from being really young, and you've you forced yourself into doing them so you can achieve what it is you want to achieve. And then you meet people who've achieved a lot in some in some ways, uh, you know, from a business point of view, a finance point of view. But then they've actually not done what they wanted to do with their lives. Um, Yeah, you know, it's by complete chance. So yeah, it's a skill, it's a talent, but it's like I mean, you said it's a muscle. It is, and you know that's something you have to exercise and you have to develop and build and train and work on and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, and and the, you know, people have different lives and different paths and different dreams and desires and likes and dislikes and personalities. And so, you know, I'd never, obviously, I'd never say everybody needs to go sailing or anything like that. I I have a lot, they're like, everything has its trade-offs, right? There's nothing... If you want to do something in life, you can't do other things. That's how life works. And so if I want to live on a sailboat, I can't live on a farm. But I there's many times where I envy people living on a farm because I'm yeah. like, oh man, the because it can be so so stressful sometimes living on a boat and so chaotic. Obviously I, I love living on a sailboat and I I the benefits that I get from living on a sailboat vastly outweigh the negatives. But there are negatives like everything. And and so there's times where I look at people who have started a homestead or have a farm or live on a live on a piece of property, and I go, "Wow, that, that that's nice. cool! <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. wish I could do that." Yeah, that looks very nice. And but but we all have different paths and and with different things that motivate us and push us. And different people are in different periods of their life. Like some people travel when they're old, some people travel when they're young, some people uh, you know, do, do things in different orders than other people. And, um, so like whatever it is, somebody wants to do, they can, they can at least start somewhere. And if they, if they do create that big goal and it is too, too much, like you said, um, like if, if, if flying South America is too big of a leap, then yeah, start with an Airbnb, just scale it back and start, just start somewhere and start moving in that direction um and and see how it goes mm. and in the most likely what's going to happen is you're going to start moving towards a goal and uh as you're headed in that direction the the goal itself will change because as you get closer you get more information and you go well actually this goal that i set is really like one dimensional and kind of stupid when i think about it uh, and so i should really adapt it to make sense with this new information that i have
1: yeah Yeah. just learning (laughs) learning along the way yeah (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. so i mean you got your boat when you were pretty um uh we have no experience really i I suppose you know kind kind of got the sailboat when you didn't really know anything about sailboats um would you buy that same boat now um and if not what boat would you buy or what would you do
2: differently um, well, I mean, I got the this boat like, uh, like if you believe in like synchronicity and like destiny, then like I'm supposed That's to have happen. this boat because like when when I left when I left Miami, I didn't have a boat lined up to buy. I just started out towards Barcelona because the ship was leaving, and I was like, got to be on that ship, so as i was on the way over i ended up locking down this boat and part of the reason i ended up locking it down on the way without seeing it was because i was able to get it like so insanely cheap mm. and and so i was like if i'll take a risk like if it's going to be this cheap i'll take a risk and so mind. i got it i got it for 10 grand yeah that
1: for spain that's very cheap yeah, that's really that's really cheap. Yeah,
2: yeah. So I bought it from an American. Yeah, I bought it from American. I mean, if you look up these boats online, uh, they generally go for on the low, like the low end is like twenty five thirty. Yeah. Um, and in Spain, yeah. it'd always be a bit more because boats do just cost more here. Yeah, and and then all in in they're 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 built in Florida, so if they're in Spain, they had to be taken there. It's they're there you're not you're probably not going to even find a morgan for sale in europe for the most no, part not many. um just because they, they were built in florida i mean they're great boats this boat has sailed around the world once um already and it's sailed across the atlantic both ways but so in so when when i arrived in barcelona i got off the cruise ship went to a starbucks waited for like two three hours and then moved on to this boat the same day so this boat <laughs> just happened to be like but before before i you know when i decided okay i'm going to move to the mediterranean i put a post on Reddit. i was like i want to do move to the mediterranean blah blah I, like how do i make this legal do i need licenses like i don't how do you buy a boat do you need to insure like i didn't know anything about it and so i just went to reddit because reddit is awesome and uh and, and so people were like uh one guy was like yeah you definitely can't do all that by june or by april and then another guy was like eh, it's not that hard i did it in the caribbean blah blah oh and by the way i'm actually selling a boat um and and it's in barcelona and uh well and and so i was talking to him for a while but like in the very beginning he, he was like uh like he was like, uh, I'll sell to you for 30 grand. And I was like, okay, well it's January. I'm not going to be there there till April. I'm not buying a boat for 30 grand. I've never seen just yeah. not happening. And then, um, <laughs> like a month or two later, so I just stopped talking And then like a month or two later, he emails me again. He's like, Hey man, what do you think about like 15 grand? And I was like, Oh yeah, we'll talk. Like that sounds <laughs> interesting uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's slightly concerning but also interesting. <laughs> yeah, was uh, that overpriced maybe? Yeah. So so I I just kept that in the back of my mind but I was looking at boats in Croatia in Greece and in Spain and so um it just it just so happened that um, as I was coming over I was like how about ten and it's like all right, let's do it. And I was like, okay, 10 grand is a lot of money, but uh, for a sailboat that like, you can actually live in, he's he's like, the guy was um, like, listen, I'm in the marina with you, this is what we'll do, you can move on to the boat, and uh, we'll sail down to Majorca together, we'll hang out for like a week while you get to know the boat, and blah, blah. And so like the things he was offering, I was like, I think I can trust this guy, I don't think he's, um, like, it, it, that'd be a weird thing to sell somebody. A, like totally shit boat, and then be like, "Let's go sailing together," yeah, <laughs> you know? Because yeah. <laughs> um, he had just moved on to a cat, yeah. And he had been he had been living on this boat for five years, and then he he had bought a And right. so he moved on to a cat, and that's why he was selling it. So he was um, he was just like trying to get rid of it, um, and wanted to like he liked that I was actually going to be sailing it and really use the boat um, and not just you know buy it and sailed on weekends or something like that and so it worked out but yeah I mean the the ship which I bought the tickets for I don't know like before I I don't remember when I bought the tickets I bought the tickets I think before I made the post on Reddit uh, from Miami to Barcelona I was like one-way ship let's do it and then it's like wow the place that I'm going this stranger on the internet has a boat and and then i was able like i said to move on the same day the ship arrived yeah so like all those things considered and and like i said the 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 issues with the engine i could have avoided all of them had i known what i was doing so the boat really wasn't like damn good uh spec for for what i was paying for it i mean i put a ton of work into this boat and it looks way way better than it did when i bought it but um like with all that considered it's like um you know what i bought a different but i don't even know what other boat i would have bought <laughs> like, the, everything lined up so perfect. Yeah. yeah yeah this this one was <laughs> given to me like the universe like here you go uh this is your this is what you get to deal with and so i mean no, I don't think I would do it differently. The first year and a half, two years was really hard. The first six months was like insanely stressful, mm. um, but it's worked out. And, and like I said, it was all synchronicity. So when, when life is providing you with synchronicities, it's, it's, it's pretty strange to uh, reject them and try something else. It's like just kind of, you know, there's signs that that come together and, you know there's like trust in in the process and things happening that that kind of need to happen uh, or don't need to happen but can happen and but yeah i mean I, i've thought about other boats like harbor are great boats they uh would they the the 45 and fifth the 55 is an absolutely gorgeous boat <laughs> I didn't but it so. <laughs> is yeah the the 55 but it is so expensive yeah. Um, the uh, was it the out outbound um, forty two? I've looked at those, but once again, they're very expensive as well. Yeah. Um, and so <laughs> you know, like I bought the boat for ten grand, so now if I look at a, a seventy thousand, hundred and fifty thousand dollar boat, I'm like, <laughs> I got this for. T- I'm pretty happy. Like it's a yeah, it's yeah. a damn good boat for. It's hard to justify that much extra money for um, a little bit more space.
1: Yeah. But. I mean, if you compare but it yes. to a house, it's like if you've got like, a really decent house in the suburbs for like 100 grand and somebody was just like, yeah. oh, look at this for 2 million, you'd be like, well, yeah, of course it's better. It's a 2 million pound house. I'm <laughs> yeah. <house, you> know? <laughs> well, I yeah. going to go to a 2 million pound house. Probably not. So like, you know, the ML56 or whatever can
2: <laughs> just sit there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> not my yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, like I said, I mean, this was like, I don't know how to explain it besides, like, more or less, a, a, a gift from the universe. And so I'm happy with it. I'm very grateful that I can have it. And, um, like, who knows? Maybe if I would have bought a more expensive boat in the beginning, it, it would have been less stressful. But um, I just look at it as expensive lessons. And I didn't pay like I said, I didn't take on the student loan and I didn't pay for university. So this is like the university of life. I'll, I'll take, I'll take these fees and experiences over, um, the load of student debt that I could have incurred. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, t- t- Tim Ferriss, I don't know if you're familiar with Tim Ferriss, but he, no, no, he talks about like creating a real world MBA. Um, so instead of going to to university and getting a master's in business or whatever do it in the real world so what's that mean like okay how much is it going to cost if you went to school let's say you're going to go to harvard if, if you're you know bit, uh, have the ability to do that okay let's say it's going to cost two hundred fifty thousand dollars to get this mba okay well it would take me four years so let's just set that let's just expect to spend that much money mm-hmm. but we're just going to try to do it Without an MBA, we're going to try to start a business without an MBA. So if it ends up that after four years, I'm minus $250,000. Okay, that was the school. But most likely what's going to happen is you're going to have real world experience. And sometime before then, you're going to start turning a profit and it's going to cost you less and you're going to be making money. So um, I look at it like that. It's like there's different ways to and then also like if you if you just say and you go like uh well i regret this and i should it like it's just a waste of time like
0: yeah, you can't change so cool.
2: the past the the only beneficial way to look at the past is his lessons if yeah. you don't look at it and like being grateful for the experience if you look at it any other way i found it just leads to uh depression and like self-loathing self-loathing so yeah just look at his lessons and i'm, I'm very grateful for the life that i have and have been able to experience I, mm. I i can't imagine another life that i would rather live yeah that's good yeah it's really good
1: and i mean to to be able to like get to that point where you can realize that at a, at a young age like when you're in your early 30s that's um yeah it's amazing i mean people only reach that type of harmony once they've retired and they've, you know they've dealt with the kids and the grandkids and they've already finished the job and stuff so uh Yeah, but um, I mean, it's it's a really interesting journey that you've taken. And you've, I I mean, I think inadvertently as well, by like not plunging yourself into debt in school, going traveling, learning about new cultures, you've um, you've really set yourself like decades in advance of, you know, your peers or other people around you at the time, probably. Uh, And yeah, you, Mm. you end up becoming like a much more wiser, more patient, more noble type of person at the end of it.
2: Thank you. Yeah, I, I've one of the things that I've learned, too, is, is like the whole I, I remember growing up and I'd always hear people like enjoy the process. It's not about the destination. It's about the journey. Right. It's, mm-hmm. it's about the process. And I never it, for a very long time, I didn't really understand what that meant. Uh, because um I was very like goal oriented. I was like, I need to get this done. And then getting there was just like suffering, <laughs> you know, and, but, but then at some point um, I, I, I think what's really helped me is um, learning multiple different skills. So uh, learning filmmaking, learning scuba diving, learning free diving, learning uh, just different sailing, different skills. you, um you know miyamoto musashi said if you know the way broadly then you'll see it in all things so if you understand the way the process of learning and achieving things pursuing goals and achieving goals then you understand The world is built out of systems. And if you participate in a system, it'll take you to a place. So if you participate in a bad system, it takes you to a bad place. If you participate in a good system, it takes you to a good place. So once you understand the system of learning and goal setting, and you've done it a few different times, and it's been successful, you know the system works. So now the next goal that you set or the next thing you pick up to learn, you're like, all right. I understand the system. I know when I'm trying to learn this thing, like flying FPV drones. That was one of the more recent things I learned. It's really hard in the beginning, and I sucked. Like, but I go into it and I go, "I'm supposed to suck. Like, I'm not supposed to be good right now. This is the beginning. I'm supposed to suck. That's how it works. I'm beginning." Um, and then you get the benefits of like seeing the improvement, but but you just trust the process and you see that you can just get a broader view of the the system and the process and you can actually enjoy it because you know it will lead you where you're wanting to go cuz you've tr- you can just actually trust the process yeah. um, and so that was something for me it took me I needed to learn things, different skills and go through that process multiple different times and then spend time thinking or reflecting before I was able to get to the point of, uh, like understanding that. And, you know, I'm not perfect. I have my bad days and gripe about things like everybody does. But, um, what I've found like with my own life is my life is a process like everything else. Um, like sometimes I look at old men and I'm, you know, maybe for a minute I get jealous of them because it's like, wow, they've lived a full life and they're old and, you know, the old guys are just great. And, but then I go, I'm not an old man. Like, there's no reason I should like be jealous of that or like want to be there because I'm not there yet. Like I'll get there eventually. And then that'll be that part of my life. But right now I'm in this part of my life so it would be a shame to be so focused on the next part of my life that I don't get to experience and enjoy the part that I'm in now uh which I have done in the past where I'm like so focused on the future that I either like space out or blank out in the present or I'm like stressed out or you know anxious or like gotta go 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 um it's just about uh, you trust the process and let it happen
1: yeah i think it's just you just got to slow down uh, you know there's a lot yeah. of stuff that you can't control and one of the worst things uh, that people can do is uh, get upset about something that they've got no control over because that that's just anxiety and stress and anxiousness that you literally don't need and it's it's a complete waste of time um yeah just slow down and, and enjoy it because it's like there's I, I a conversation with my wife did night. we was talking about like raising kids and stuff We have a kid and we were talking about what's a coincidence and you know what, what's the meaning of life and all this type of stuff and i was like life is just a collection of memories because then at the end of the day all, all all you have you don't leave an imprint physically anywhere you know you can have kids and you can build a house or whatever but it's what you remember um and it's a collection of those memories that you made so you need to slow down and appreciate and if you're constantly worrying about what you need to do or can I achieve this goal or, you know, whatever it is, that, that whatever your big plan is, um, you're not focusing on the journey there. And that's, that's, I think that's probably why they say saying it's, it's so well known, you know, it's, it's the, uh, what is it? It's the journey. It's not the destination. Is that it? Something, something like that, isn't it? Something yeah, that something.
2: Yeah. 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 So yeah, you just got yeah, to in, slow down and enjoy when, it. When, when, uh, when I was, um, like in the first year or so of the boat when it was like really, really stressful. There were multiple different times when I would think back to when I was living in my van and I was like, oh, there's simple days when it was just me in my van and I'd go film <laughs> and then I'd sit in a coffee shop and I'd edit and uh, be in Washington and, you know, weed's legal there and I just uh, drink coffee and edit and smoke a joint, and all oh, the day, stress-free. Times. Uh, yeah, and, but then, but like the... and and i would look back on those and there would always be you know a nostalgia but also and it's not even that long ago but there'd always be um like a slight sense of loss right because i can't go back to that now that's done like i mean i could but it would be pointless and it would be useless and i'd be like in my mind i'd be like what am i doing i'm i've not like I've, I've moved beyond this in my process. It's not that I'm above it. It's just like, I've done that already. So now it's time to move on to the next thing. So like when I would think back on it, I would think back on it fondly, but also with a slight sense of loss of like, wow, that time of like really um, struggling in to first start something, right? Like it was only, me that really like believed in myself to be able to do it or you know something like that but that process is never going to happen. that that experience uh at that time in my life is never going to happen to me again and the more i would think about that i would get sad and appreciate it but i would also think about my life now on the boat and sometimes with it being stressful or or the visions I have for the future and wanting some of those things to come true faster than they are. Um, But I would think about that time in the van and then think, okay, so if I do these bigger things in the future, I'm going to look back on when I was living with the time that I uh, sailed by myself from Crete to Santorini. And I'm going to have that same feeling that I have now when I think about my time in the van. And that really helps me. Uh, in the moment be like just just appreciate where I am now because first of all it's pretty great (laughs) I like it but also it's not gonna last forever and I'll get to where I'm going eventually but right now I am where I am now and so let that be and let's enjoy it
1: yeah it's good though because you're able to look back at those little points throughout your life that have brought you to the you know, to the point where you are now, and, like, you can can love and appreciate those moments. You know, like you're saying, like, the simple life, you know, just smoking a joint, Washington, uh, you know, doing some edits in a cafe, how cool and easy. Um, Yeah. And and it's great, because I'm pretty sure at that point you would have been thinking, shit, I've got so much to do, I've got to build this, I've got to work really hard. Yeah. You would have been in a different mindset in that situation than when you look back on it now and what you think?
2: Yeah. Yeah, definitely so, when i the, was in that i didn't necessarily appreciate it for what it was yeah but now that my life's more complicated sometimes i look back and i was like wow it was so simple <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, but, but you know there'll be a time i mean you will well, whatever you're doing next the concept of like sailing around this mediterranean on your own boat you there's no way you couldn't look back at these times fondly and just think about yeah. wow, what an amazing thing i did yeah, absolutely. You know, just sailing from Greece to Croatia to Malta to Crete, wherever. Like it's um there's, there's not many people do it. I mean if you think <laughs> there's like seven billion or eight billion people on Earth, like how how many people are doing what you are doing right now? Like a, a couple of thousand, maybe? Yeah,
2: yeah, maybe. Not maybe. not very many. Yeah. We're very, very fortunate.
1: Yeah. So um, yeah. I mean, yeah, you've got to, you know work hard to get there from <laughs> you know, yeah. Washington to the Med you know, it's, it's a pretty long journey um, but yeah, it's, I think it's yeah. one we definitely look back on so what, what's the plan? I mean, you're in Greece now I suppose you probably had a plan but the plan didn't work for like the last couple of years um, okay. but what is yeah. the, the idea? Well, what's the idea anyway? Maybe not the plan
2: Yeah, so, <laughs> so I'm beyond three years now living on three years and the uh, plan was, uh, so it's was moving on in in uh, in May, and I was like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to sail to Greece, and then we're going to cross the Atlantic this winter. I was like, <laughs> like we're going go to go to Greece for the year. summer, then we're going to go back across the whole Mediterranean to cross the Atlantic this winter. Okay. Insane. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Sure. Three years later, I'm in Greece. Uh, so... I mean, it's changed so many times, and it, and it keeps changing with um, now with the different um, the different the ways that different countries are dealing with COVID, and some are locking down again, and some are opening up, and some are requiring things, and some aren't. Um, it's just making the whole process more complicated, and so my plan more or less just keeps changing, but at the moment, the plan is um, not this coming winter, but the next winter uh, across the Atlantic. So that gives me uh, one more summer in the Mediterranean, so uh, this summer to enjoy and explore um, Greece and whatnot, and then a summer to uh, do the way over to the Canaries and then cross. Uh, um, if, um, that I've got some plans, but they're quite far out. So, uh, working on, on floor and Dylan McGaster, working on growing those channels and, uh, building that up so that the goals that I have in the future, we can do, um, because in order for those to happen, it, we need the growth. So that's what I'm focused on now is just Uh, the channels and working on projects alongside of those but my like i said my my current plan is to cross i'm still i'm still planning on crossing the atlantic
1: yeah do you think that will be something that you do with a crew or do you think you'd want to do a put a tick in the box of a solo across the atlantic yeah we'll see how it goes
2: i i've uh i've definitely considered it uh we'll we'll see how what what happens by the time i get over Mm. to that area because by then i'll know much more but i have i've definitely thought about like what that would be like because i do i do enjoy the um the solo the solo sailing the single handing and doing obviously doing something like a solo ocean crossing would be um, epic but we'll see what happens uh i don't know we'll, we'll see if i'm up for it or or not or even if i want to do it maybe i want to we'll see what happens
1: i think or it'd else. be cool to do
2: it if you <laughs> but a, i have considered it
1: a group of boats you know like if you could buddy boat maybe five or six of you <laughs> yeah. um i do want to do it on my own i'm doing it end of the year with my friends um and uh, yeah we've decided when we go over there my there's no way my wife will spend like two and a half weeks on a boat um <clears throat> so she'll probably fly over there and i'll take it and i'm like pretty determined i do want to do that on my own with with like the assistance mm. of a radar and an AIS and a wind vane, so it's actually comfortable. But um, yeah, yeah I, I think that's one. I, th- I think if you are a sailor and you're going to cross the Atlantic, if you can do it solo, I think you, no pressure, but you know, I think maybe
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, could, you could. Yeah. <laughs> I met this guy named Danny who, um, he's a French Canadian and he's sailed uh solo across the Atlantic I think both ways right. um and so talking to him he's like yeah it's easy there's no problem uh but I mean we'll see because I don't have radar I mean I have radar but it doesn't work and I don't know how to go about fixing it um but we'll we'll see yeah yeah be a good one to uh good one
1: to tick off the list well listen Dylan thanks so much for your time it's been really good, uh talking to you and you know like learning a bit more about um about your character and, and, and what got you where you are it's a really interesting journey and uh, yeah best of luck for the next couple of years in the med i'm sure you're gonna have a great time and you'll do some good videos for it
2: thank you yeah. thanks for having me on it's been uh, it's been a good time
1: welcome Go on,